I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Today, we're going to be talking about happiness and success. Lots of myths around the topic that happiness is the result of success, that we have to strive for years to achieve success, and then happiness is possible. To give you a view of that, let's talk to someone who is very, very successful. I'm going to spend some time to chat to Raymond Klosterman, the CEO of Rituals, and see what he thinks about the relationship between happiness and success. My guest today is my friend and business idol, Raymond Klosterman. Raymond is the CEO of Rituals Cosmetics. He is someone who started in a small garage in the year 2000, really, really with an attempt to build one retail store to what is today 850 stores around the world, more than 3,000 locations, more than a million buying customers a week, and 3 million people walk into his stores every week and thousands of very, very happy employees. I met Raymond the first time when I was invited to speak at his annual conference uh, back in 2019. And I have to tell you, it was extremely eye-opening because when we started to talk, we realized that we shared one common interest, which is to make people happy. I do it with my writing and with attempts to go and speak about the topic of happiness. And Raymond actually takes it quite seriously to make people that come into his stores uh, happy. And so we decided to do things together. And so we're coming up with a very interesting happiness challenge that we will introduce to you at the end of our conversation. But for now, I will actually want you guys to meet my friend as just as I know him and hear his story. So Raymond, wonderful that you're joining us today. Thank you for your time. So tell people this story. Tell us how does one store turn into this success? Yeah, and do that in two minutes. My life journey of 20 years. Well, it's a hobby which got out of control, I have to say. I had a corporate background within Unilever, like yourself. And then after, I would say, 13, 14 years, by coincidence, I bumped into a few new insights on how to build beauty brands and how to create new business. And I got so excited by those insights that I thought, I'll give it a try myself. And the whole idea of rituals is about helping me people to enjoy the little things in life, to change everyday routines and small rituals. Because most of us have forgotten what it is. We live on the automatic pilot. And that is something which we were planning to challenge. And can we reinvent these everyday products into something special where people can really feel our passion for details, for fragrance, for ingredients, for design, all those things at a fair price. And that was back then in 2000 when we launched with one store. I would say we were a real challenger of the market, if you could say, because we, we gave people a luxury store, elegant products, but at a mid price. So it was very accessible. So we surprised a lot of people in a very positive way. We combined home and body care, which was very new at the time, from the idea that your home is becoming an extension of your personality, especially over the past couple of months with COVID, we've really, I would say, experienced what that means. 
But already back then in 2000, it was clear that for people when they were under pressure and when they were looking for some time for themselves, they could only withdraw in their own home or in their own self. And from this insight, we started to create beautiful products under one umbrella for both home and body. So that was very new. And then the whole philosophy was new. And um, we started with one store in Amsterdam. It took us two, three years, a very bumpy ride. But then after a while, we got traction and we needed time and people had to discover us and start sharing it with their friends. And then it started to, we got on a roll and then we started to grow very fast. And nowadays, I think we're the the fastest growing beauty brand across Europe, which is really nice. But tell me about the bumpy ride, because a lot of entrepreneurs and people in general, we just struggle when things resist a little. And you had three years of that, including the first day. I remember your story about you're starting and forgetting very essential things and, you know, that whole experience. How does that go? How did you keep going through it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, well, the concept was, of course, a little bit my baby. With the help of a few inspiring friends, we came up with this idea of changing routines into rituals and this idea to use a shop to express that whole idea and to give people the three-dimension experience. And from there, it started to roll. And the early days were very difficult. You were referring to the story that on day one, I never retailed. This was our first store. So my wife called me on my way to the store in my car. And do you have change? Because if people buy, they need change. And I forgot that completely. And day one, the first night, they broke into the store and they stole our two Apple stations, which was huge and very new and exciting. We had lots and lots of bad luck, especially the first three, four years. I think it took us four years to get from one store to a second store. And today we're opening two stores a week somewhere in, in the world. So the first, I would say five years, we were, were very tough, but we didn't care because we were living our dream. This was our opportunity to make the difference. This was our opportunity to do something which was close to our hearts. So that gave us all the energy, even in the times when things were not going well, then our medicine was going down in the store and start selling ourselves because then we could see in the sparkle, the sparkle in the eyes of our customers who really liked the, the philosophy, who liked the products. And that was helping. That was our medicine to get through the tough times. Yeah, I see that. I actually remember the first time I entered a rituals store and, you know, the products are great, but I'm a Middle Eastern. I don't really understand cosmetics. I think it's the idea of how people, you know, at 5 p.m., 6 p.m., which is supposed to be a long day, it seem to still be excited about making me happy. They're not really pushing things to me. They actually want me to enjoy this experience. This whole concept of a ritual I found to be interesting. Why a ritual? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you know, I shave, I put some beard oil and I'm happy. Like, why do you want that to be a ritual? What difference does it make? Yeah, it has to do with the small, beautiful things in life eh, we believe in. So for us, it's more than just a beauty brand. Eh? It's more of a lifestyle. So this whole concept of being living more mindful or living more soulful, as we nowadays call it, was something which was there from day one and that we approach beauty with it from a different angle. So more from the inside out. And if you do that, then suddenly... All these details, the story, the fragrance, the ingredients, the design have to come together in a beautiful way. And we yeah. really tried to design them, especially the first couple of years, for our best friends and ourselves. We didn't test on customers or in uh, test panels, but we just created something which was we were fond of. 
And this whole idea of rituals became very powerful, which for us was new at the beginning as well. But we also learned along the way that rituals are important in the lives of people. To really do things when you are more aware adds an extra dimension to using the products. And that whole concept of taking a step back and then really enjoying the moment, enjoying that product and that moment is more than just selling beauty and an individual product. Do you really mean that? I mean, at the end of the day, if a customer came to you and said, hey, look, I want four of those creams and I will just use them as I'm running through my life, would that make any difference to you at the end of the day? Well, yeah, um, I'm passionate about the products and the way we create the products with our creative team is that we always start with trying to find ancient rituals from Asia and use that as a source of inspiration to find the natural ingredients, to find a special new fragrance approach. So those stories are very powerful. And we also create products from those stories. So my personal passion is to share those stories when people buy them, because I believe that the product becomes better. We also met along the way doctors in traditional Chinese medicine who explained to us that if you use products more aware, and there's evidence for that, that the actual functionality of the product improves. It's the same if, if you're drinking orange juice and you're aware of it and you're enjoying it, Apparently, your body absorbs more nutrition from it than when you put it in on the automatic pilot. And that's the same with our kinds of products. This is not for everybody, but it's true that if you, for example, use a body cream and follow the meridians of your body, it helps the flow of the energy and therefore the functionality of the product. For a lot of people, that's a bit too much. So I'm happy with just offering one of the best body creams in the world at a fair price. But if you want to, there's much more to discover. Yeah. So I'm, of course, as you can imagine, I'm very much interested in the much more to discover. And I really like the idea of autopilot. You keep bringing that point up. And I think what happens is when we start to actually look at that moment of experience, that it's not about, I quickly want to just cover my skin with something, but I want to carefully open it, you know, look at the packaging, enjoy the scent of it before I use it and so on and so forth. It's not only about creams, it's about everything. When you talk about orange juice, I talk about coffee. And for me, coffee is really essential, an essential ritual as part of my life. And it's not about the caffeine. It's not about the warmth of the drink. It's about a ritual. It's about the idea of, can I actually have that relationship with my mood today? Can I feel what I'm looking for? Am I actually in the mood for a strong coffee? Can I make that strong coffee? Can I pay attention to how I make it strong, but not bitter? And then, and so on. And it's those small things, believe it or not, which some people will consider to be a, a nuisance, a chore, if you want. It's like, I want to get done with coffee just instant. To me, it's a joy. You know, I take seven minutes to make my coffee every single time. And that's not a waste of my time. That's actually a really useful part of my day. And I think that small idea of small things is what you try to bring over and over and over. Yeah, it, for me, it's about attention. Uh, the way like you, you're describing it, it's an art almost to be able to find these moments of happiness in these small things and these everyday things in life. More and more people are discovering that, that it brings you more. And that's, I would say, the anchor for everything we do. Can I ask you, feel free to escape if you want. So you're very successful. You're loved by your team. I've seen it with my own eyes. You're popular where you live. Has success made you any happier than you were before? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
it did change a little bit. I must say, um, if you look back to our history with rituals, I always show this graph of the first 10 years and then you don't see any turnover. It's like a flat line. And then afterwards, we got traction and we're flying. And I always say to all the new people entering the business that those first years, we were as happy then as we are now with success. But the things which bring the happiness are sometimes different. Initially, it's the camaraderie, it's the adventure, it's fighting back and making everyday little victories. And nowadays, the fact that we are successful is rewarding too, because it's it shows that everything we believed in those 10 first years is now paying off. And it's not the money or the turnover or the profit. It's more the fact that you see people buying into our philosophy and our products and they start talking about it with their friends. Those moments really, uh, really make you happy because it's, I would say, fulfilling huh? that you are able to have a dream and then seeing that people buy into that and that they start jumping on that train and go on together. And when you were over in Amsterdam, we had, I think, thousands of our store managers together celebrating and also introducing all the new products. And those are very happy moments for me. Then you see that this philosophy has been adopted by people with all their hearts and uh, I would say transcended to the teams in, in 24 countries. And it's now, it's a thing which is now becoming unstoppable. And that's sometimes take a small step back and just watch it and enjoy it. You know, I ask that because this is probably one of the most frequent questions I ever get about the topic of happiness is, yeah, you must be happy, you're successful and rich. And I'm like, in all honesty, it really never, I mean, there was a point in my life where I had nothing at all. And of course, some evenings and the last week of the month when I can't even provide for my family, I would feel like it's hard to become happy. But past the moment where you achieve what is needed, you know, your basic needs for life, really, nothing really makes you happy. You know, money doesn't make you happy. Fame doesn't make you happy. You buy a car and it makes you happy for seven minutes and then poof, suddenly it's like you focus on the road and you don't see the car and just life continues. And like you said, it's not the success itself. It's the feeling that you're living your passion. It's the feeling that you've managed to help a few people maybe see life a little differently. And if it's a million people, then it's even better. No, money is not a drive for happiness, uh, at least not for me. Happiness for me is more what you're referring to. Is, uh, friends make you happy and uh, being able to do things which are close to your heart, that makes you happy, or doing things which matter. That's where I find my happiness, in a way. And in that sense, I'm not happier today than my early days in university when I had nothing. But I had my friends and I had my small moments of happiness. And I think I've been lucky that I've been raised by my mother with this belief that about finding these moments of happiness in small things, that you have to celebrate life whenever it's possible. That has nothing to do with money. It has to do with attention for each other, for small things. And that part of my education, if you like, we didn't have money from my, in, my, in my youth, but that's always helped, made me feel rich in a sense. And that was also, it's now one of the, I would say, secret drivers within myself for rituals, because this, what we do is very close to what I've been brought up with since I was eight and that you have to celebrate the moments that you're the director of your own life and it has nothing to do with money, but more with attention for yourself and for each other. So I think that's why it's also easy for me to relate so much with the brand and that after 20 years, I'm still very 
hyper and uh, still very enthusiastic about stupid small things like a, a beautiful <laughs> new fragrance or a new candle or new store or a new store design. That never stops because we're grateful that this philosophy and this brand allows us to continue on this path. But then why would we chase success at all? In that case, if what we want from life is happiness, then why are we trying to be successful? That's more your expertise, Mo, than mine. <laughs> I don't know. I think if I speak for myself, what you try to do is that you, everybody has, I think, a given set of talents, and then you're obliged to our boss up there or somebody or to yourself. At least that's my philosophy, that you take the maximum out of your skills and talents, whether you're a singer or an actor or a manager or whatever, or a friend. This is, a, I would say, a way of living, a philosophy. If you do that, if you concentrate on getting the maximum out of yourself and, and situation, then, then it's about these details and being passionate about things. And then success is an outcome, if you like. This is what people mostly don't get, is that if you make success your target, you have to struggle through life itself. You have to, to go through the opposition of life saying, why should I make you successful? Prove it to me. Work hard, show it to me. But if you live your passion, like you rightly said, I believe each of us is here to contribute something, big or small, it doesn't matter. You could contribute a smile to the barista that makes you coffee and that makes changes the world, right? And now if we allow ourselves to be who we are fully, then we contribute more, then we're better at it. We're in resonance with our actual design. And so you end up going out there and actually making a real difference. And when you do, you get rewarded by being successful. It's not the other way around. It's when you actually make the difference that success becomes the byproduct. And I think most people don't see it that way because in that case, it's not even happiness that's the target. It's just being true to who you are being true to your passion, and then happiness and success are both byproducts. I want to ask you about tough times because we're coming out of an epidemic. The whole world has been grounded, if you want. We were locked down. Economies have been quite difficult. I spoke to you and your team earlier in the epidemic, and it was a very, very, the pandemic was really, really affecting your ability to execute on your vision and your business. How did that play out? How did you respond to it to start? Yeah, this has been a tough year so far for all of us, but also for a lot of companies and also for rituals. Imagine that you're doing better than ever, best start of the year ever, and then suddenly your Formula One car crashes into a wall. That's how it felt, because we had a very healthy brand and a very healthy company, and suddenly 850 stores are closed, and 2,000 department stores and perfumery stores are closed, and no income whatsoever is coming in. We still had bills for 25 million a month in terms of rent and staff to be paid. And so the first week I was in a state of panic, but also angry and sometimes sad and emotional because it felt that something, a dream I've worked for with every fiber of my life and with all my soul and everything was put into it. 20 years of work was wasted. And that's how it felt the first week. If this continues as bad as it looked like in the beginning, it could have been the end of this dream. So I really had to fight back and it took us, me and the team, I think a week to accept that we were not able to change this one, to accept this one on the chin and then take that for granted and make sure that we got back and that it would not kill us as a business. 
So in the first week uh, together as a team, we created a, the worst plan we could imagine and tried to figure out how to survive that. So we postponed every investment, we canceled all budgets, we borrowed as much money from the banks we could to make sure that we had the cushions to survive this Christmas until we get to this same kind of situation. So that was the first week and I was really sad. But after that exercise, I found back the energy and also the, the whole team found back the energy and we really started to enjoy it again. And then the challenge was more, okay, this is our worst case. And now how do we get away from here? And the way we responded is two things. Part of our company, a few colleagues called me up and said, we want to do something. This is so bad. We feel really um, bad for the brand, for the company, but also for the people in healthcare. Can we do something? So one team decided, and we agreed to that, to start packing 200,000 gift sets, little rituals bags with products for the medical staff across the Netherlands and in France and in Belgium. So that was one part of the organization. Another part of the organization, and I was part of that one, said, okay, this is a new reality. Now forget everything we know. How can we get back? So we started to come up with all kinds of new initiatives. And then within two, three weeks, we started working on solutions like VIP shopping in our stores for our best customers. So you had a private shopping tour, which worked wonderfully. We started creating 2000 mini shops. So these displays in supermarkets where we normally didn't want to be seen. But now, how could we reach out to our customers? This was the only way. So we found temporary partnerships with uh, a few supermarket chains and we reached out to our customers through them. So that was creative. And we also were able to, um, our internet sales were booming three times normally, but we have the capacity. We started to use, put orders to the teams in the stores and they started packing them and starting distributing them on their bicycles to the customers. And also the people from our office jumped in and that was an amazing. So people, our fans were so surprised because they put an internet order and then 30 minutes later, the doorbell rang and they saw a smiling face in a ritual's costume and then they got their order. So those two, I would see energies kept us alive the first few weeks and that made us all very happy. And I had a few colleagues who said, well, maybe this business-wise, this is the easiest year of them all. But personally, I really found back my energy and I'm really enjoying the fact that we have to work so close. There's no room for politics or boring meetings or so we used all the I would say negative stuff out there to change it into something better and now we're a few months down the line stores have reopened the recovery rate is very good internet is still very high but the stores are picking up almost at the old level of last year and in the meantime all these new initiatives are there to last so we now always have this VIP kind of delivery system on the bicycle etc. So for me, looking back on this small journey, it started like a nightmare, a terrible kind of situation. But even in this period, I think we've made the best out of it altogether and um, we brought everybody, everybody together. And the good news is what we tried to do because we had, I think, 8,000 colleagues initially sitting on the couch at home worrying about their loved ones, but also worrying a bit about their work and their company and their brand. So what we try to do is every week send out a little video message, trying to be honest about and transparent about that it was really very heavy, not going very well the first couple of weeks, and that we were preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. And then gradually sending out different messages and showing all these 
I would say, great initiatives of hope. And uh, we've heard a lot back from everybody that they really love that, that we kept in touch with them. And there was some humor and we made a bit of a fool out of ourselves as well at the same time that we approached it lightheartedly. So even this year, although it started as a low light, it could become one of our highlights. I noticed when I spoke to friends and business contacts and so on, exactly the story that you said. So everybody panicked at the beginning, but some started to turn around what I call real leaders, right? You just go like, okay, so this is it, right? I can't change it. And so I have to start doing something about it. And when you start doing something about it, not only do you make the lives of others better, but you have the time of your life doing it. It's like, this is so enjoyable. And somehow all that we were so obsessive about starts to become secondary to what actually matters, to working together, to making a difference, to solving the problem, to really making things better. Huh? Of course, we, we don't only talk about business here. We talk about us as humans. The, the idea of us going through hard times and deciding to put our heads down and cry and complain and wish that the virus wasn't there or put your head down and do something about it. Do what you can. Do what's within your abilities. And, and I think this really is the difference between happiness and hard times and people that really surrender and become more and more unhappy in the challenge. I heard you, though, say that you were so focused on making clients happy, fulfilling what clients need, making your team happy. And these are things that seem to be a common theme in your entire approach to things. So here you say, I did VIP shopping. I delivered the way you described it is I, you know, half an hour later, a person in uniform is smiling and giving you your product, that kind of experience. Why does that matter? Why is the customer experience? Why does making a customer happy matter? Yeah. Sometimes I consider ourselves a bit more being in the service industry, if you like. So selling them a little bit of an experience instead of a product. And I truly believe that the way people nowadays look at brands is not through the product alone, but through everything which is coming together in a magical way. So the way you've been treated in the store, the hand massage you've been given or the cup of tea, the fact that they're not on your back pushing products to buy, but leaving you to use your time and respect you. All these kind of things together make the total experience and also how people will rate your product and your brand. So therefore, for me, the whole package is as important. That's why when I'm in stores myself, I can really lose myself in putting all the lights right again and starting to put the products straight and start to push tables left and right. You go and sell in stores sometimes? Yeah, or sometimes, always, at least uh, two, three stores every week. But that's our company. I mean, uh, that's where you can see it all come together. And that's more powerful in terms of business intelligence than reading all kinds of reports. It's being out there and talking to customers and talking to your team members in the, in the stores. You know, last time Nikki was here in London and she had to sell, Nikki is your head of products, and she had to sell in a, I don't remember which store. And I was in London, so I decided to go and be the most annoying client ever. And, you know, I wanted to try everything and I wanted her to show me the hand scrub. And she was so sweet, like everyone. And I was, I don't know where that devil came from, but I just wanted to test how far she would go. And Until she, you came out. Exactly. <laughs> like the real playful, annoying Mo that just wants to see, is that really true? 
I have to say that I'm really proud in general on the teams on the store because the people who decide to work for us and stay with us longer really truly believe in our philosophy. And for them, it's more than just selling products. It's really about servicing people and making people happy because they believe that the products and at the fair price, that package is irresistible, not only for themselves, but also for their best friends and also for people entering the store. So that's what you feel when you're in those stores. It's genuine interest and it's not pushy sales training kind of stuff. And sometimes we even have to train our staff to be a bit more pushy, uh, not too, not too nice. And for that, we invented a concept which was called the million dollar customer, which is quite funny. So we hired a person, an actor, and she would go around or he uh, would go around stores and would never say no. So whatever you present to him or her, he or she would buy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a dream. <laughs> yeah. So that's a And then. So that was training everybody that when people are interested, and sometimes they are, they just want to buy a third or a fourth or a fifth product, which happens a lot in our stores. But sometimes you just should ask. And this training really helped to push. It was really funny because it became a sport and people have to pay attention. Is this the million dollar customer or am I fooled? Or no? But it really helped. And um, it was also quite funny in our internal social media systems that everybody was excited and making jokes and, and looking for this person. That is exactly what it's all about. I was the zero dollars customer. I was saying no to everything, but I wanted to try every single one of them. <laughs> and I, I eventually ended up carrying uh, quite a few things with me as I walked out. So I'll say to our listeners, because I think it's important, you may think that I'm advertising rituals here. And I am actually, because I have to say, I really, really enjoyed the experience. I, I really went through something that I believe was genuine. And having met you, if you remember, Raymond, the first time we met, so I'm there, I'm supposed to give a speech to your team. And most people will just have me meet a junior person in the marketing team to tell me what to expect. You insisted to spend half an hour with me and talk to me about the team and how they feel and you know what is important for you and why you care that they're happy and so on and so forth. And then if you recall, I don't know if you will remember, I asked you something and I said, so how many people after you described that you give them hand massages and you give offer them tea and so on, I said, that should make a customer happy. And then I asked you how many people would walk into your stores on a weekly basis. Do you remember what you answered me with? Yeah, one million buying customers, about two, three million people enter our stores. Yeah, so we make one million people happy every week. Yeah, so two to three million people happy every week. And I immediately, the businessman in me, which is really telling, you know, I have a billion happy targets, so I'm trying to chase a billion happy people. That's a massive target. Like, seriously, I need someone to help. Yeah, just stay with us for three years. <laughs> exactly. So I said, what can we do to teach your team to spread happiness further and further? And then your team came back and we spoke about the happiness challenge, which is really something really interesting. So August 1st, we launch an idea of trying to take 14 days of challenge for the clients to do rituals that make them happier. I have to say, I completely enjoyed recording that content. I felt the target of us working together was really taken seriously. The material that was sent to me, people really read the book, they made it so that it's actually useful for people. What do you expect? So we run the challenge. What's the target? Yeah, that's a good one. One of the things we're going to do, of course, our own uh, team is joining, 
but we also want as many customers as possible to join this challenge. And we have some experience with other challenges like the slow down challenge or the, and I hope that we were able to get 50 to 100,000 people joining this whole challenge uh, worldwide. And for me, that's two football stadiums full of people every day working on their exercises. That would be a nice kind of challenge. So uh, I'm happy also with 10,000 if you like, but if you ask me what is my challenge and what's my dream, that it would be a number like that. So your team is committing to a million. Yeah, but I mean, for this challenge, it's of course people at home customers who do this for two weeks in a row and who join every kind of uh, exercise. For me, that's the real participant. And we're going to touch anyway a lot of people because you with your podcast and of course we're going to send out lots of these messages anyway as well. So we hope to reach out to many more customers. We have a few million people getting our newsletters and we give away our magazine to two million people. So all of them will be exposed to the beauty of this whole exercise. But the real hardcore two weeks kind of uh, happiness challenge that we hope to do with a group like 100,000. And do people have to be ritual clients? No, of course not. Also now, if you go to our website, you can find exercises for meditation, for yoga, and that's open for everybody. You don't need to be a client. And also through social media and um, our newsletters, we advertise those kind of free products, if you like. And Nikki, our head of uh, product development or director of product development, she's also a yoga teacher. So she's doing that. And um, so we want to, I would say expose as many people as possible to our rituals philosophy and as part of that, the happiness philosophy. And we don't care if they've bought product with us, they will do hopefully afterwards when they find out what a nice family it is. I'm really excited about this. Of course, as you can imagine, it's the first time I ever do something like that to work in a commercial environment to try and achieve a reach to people. But I have to admit, I think it's you know, when there is a will, there is a way. And I think if we are aligned on the idea of we can reach more people together, then there's definitely, hopefully, a way for us to make a real dent, to actually try and encourage from one side other companies to try and really be serious about helping make their clients happy. And from the other side, to be honest, other happiness evangelists to go and try every possible path. I'm trying to work with you on this. I try to work on my app. I try to work on this podcast. I try to reach out through as many channels as possible. And I think that's really the game. Because if every one of us makes it their task to try and make, even if just two people happier, then that's it. You know, I make two people happier. They make two people happier. We're at four and then Four becomes eight and eight and so on. And, you know, 16 and 32 and 64. And then very, very quickly, we reach a million happy. Very quickly, we reach a billion happy. No, and we like that a lot. When you came over to speak at our conference, eh? we, we thought, hey, this is our ideal ambassador for happiness. It's part of our, I would say, soulfulness uh, philosophy. Um, so we are also looking forward to just try and connect in an innovative way. Eh? You as a writer... And I would say as a consultant and traveling the globe with your philosophy and message. And we approaching it more through a product and retail kind of approach. And I think um, combinations like this make the difference. And I hope we will both be surprised by what we can achieve. I am sure we will be. I hope uh, it will reach as many people as we can. And I hope that we continue. I hope that you really, really make this 
and other rituals, as you always do, reach as many people as we can. I think if every one of us takes whatever tools, whatever strength, whatever impact we can have in the world and use that to make a difference. Yeah, and I think um, we are only 20 years young, and especially the last six, seven years, we're working at full speed. But we have still so many countries to discover and uh, so many hearts to conquer. And not only in big countries where we just started, like France and the UK, but we're now also going to the Far East. So over the next 10, 20 years, we hopefully are able to open another maybe thousand stores. And we're going to reach many more people with this same kind of philosophy. And these elements, like our partnership now, are contributing in a very positive way and will strengthen our approach towards these new uh, territories. Yeah, really looking forward to that. So, Raymond, I want to close on a personal note. So you said that some of the things that you've learned in COVID-19 are things you're planning to keep in the long term. So, you know, customer delivery and so on. Are there personal habits that you committed that you will keep forever? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the good news from this whole lockdown is that I was able to spend a lot of time at home with my family, with my kids. And like everybody else, discover that having a meeting through Teams or Zoom or Yitzi isn't that bad because often they are more efficient. You take more decisions quickly. There's less and So I think what I took out that I will probably work a bit more from home, probably will travel a little bit less uh, than I used to do. And that I'm one way or another will be more difficult and challenging. Make sure that I keep seeing the kids, not as much, but more than I used to do and trying to spend time together and have dinner together because that was a very enriching kind of experience. And yourself? I will keep the same rituals. I sort of exaggerate myself a little bit. So I told myself I will never travel again and I will never go to an office again, which is an ambition that I know I will miss. But it's a nice ambition to to aim for. So if I miss it by 30% and travel 30% of the time and go to the office 30% of the time, then I've managed to stay closer to that ambition than I was to the zero. But don't you miss the office as well? I mean, I myself and a lot of my colleagues miss the office because you want to be together as well. And You do. You want to be the together, but you don't want to be in each other's faces all the time. I mean, you're wonderful and everything, but imagine, Raymond, if we had to have a conversation every day. I mean, you would be a little too pushy for me, so I wouldn't probably want that. So, uh, yeah, I think the target is to be reasonable. I think our life pre-COVID-19 was just a little extreme. In a way, hopefully, when we look back in a few years, it's a, a nice reset as well for everybody. That just challenging more and more is not what it is all about. And um, spending a bit more time together, being aware, queuing up for the butcher, that there's beauty in all of that. And that's something which is probably uh, hopefully helping us as a mankind, if you like. We could talk for hours. I'm really, really grateful that you came and we had this conversation. I uh, definitely believe that there is a very strong power in rituals. And I think the ritual of happiness is probably, in at least in my books, the top one of them all. So uh, I'm very grateful for what we're doing together. And I invite everyone who's listening to join us and to make sure that they don't miss out on that idea of 14 days of happiness. Raymond, thank you. Mo, thank you very much. See you soon. And for all of you who joined us, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow me on social media. Search for Mo Gaudet, Slow Mo, 
Soul for Happy or One Billion Happy. I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, there is always time to slow down. Until next time, stay happy.